Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for a match preview. Andrew Musgrove here, and as usual, I'm joined by John Gibson. Newcastle welcome Burnley to St James's Park for a good old traditional 3 pm kickoff on Saturday, and they really do need to win. Now, John, we were hoping to come into this episode on the back of Newcastle winning their yep. first league game of the season. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. They drew 1 1 with Norwich at St James's Park on Tuesday. Great atmosphere on by the fans but the players couldn't match it they weren't helped of course by the fact Kieran Clark got sent off with just nine minutes on the clock but isn't Saturday it was already a huge game it's an even bigger game now oh it's ludicrous because uh, we're a suicide squad we needed to beat Norwich we absolutely knew that they are the worst side in the Premier League arguably after us so if you don't beat Norwich who do you beat and under normal circumstances, I felt quite confident we would beat Norwich and we started well. But we are a suicide squad. I will not accept getting a point against Norwich was a good result because for 81 minutes we played with 10 men. That was our own fault that we played with 10 men. Um, and we just sacrifice everything. I mean, to start with, Kieran Clark shouldn't have been in the side. Why uh, Fernandes uh, wasn't in the side in the start remains a mystery to every Geordie, I think, because he is the best of a motley crew of centre-backs. But Clark, who has had a disastrous season, starts. Now, he didn't just make a mistake. He made two mistakes. First of all, his sloppy attempted clearance went straight into Pookie and bounced off him which meant he could go past Clark and Clark then brings him down you don't bring him down in those circumstances all sorts of things can happen the, the guy might shoot wide the keeper might stop it you might get back at him Lewis might get across for a tackle and even if you go one nil down you've got 80 minutes to equalise and win with 11 against 11. You do not bring him down. What's he do? He brings him down and changes the whole complex because it not only sends us the wind out of our sails, but it makes Norwich think, we're not going to lose this game. This will not be lost. And, and it was a disaster. We then manage, uh, partly through their incompetence and partly through the spirit of the players that were on the field, to get back and actually get ahead through a penalty, which Tim Krul might well have saved, by the way. He was very close to saving it. Nonetheless, we'll get ahead. And with nine minutes to go, we're going to have our first win and our first clean sheet. And we can't close out nine minutes. Dubrovka, one of our better players, has been smashing in the two games since he come back. I'm one of his biggest fans. He's definitely our number one goalkeeper. Nonetheless, we've got to be harsh because we're in a crisis. Nonetheless, on that ball, he could have caught it or punched it into the top of the stand. Instead, he half palms it out. Sacrilege for a goalkeeper. The ball's crossed back in to the only man in the Norwich side that can finish Pookie, and he finishes magnificently. Uh, yes, Dubrovka produced a save after that to stop us losing. But 
he made a mistake and it cost us our first win and our first clean sheet. I don't want to be harsh on the guy, but that's a fact. And these are harsh times. And consequently, we end up with one point at home to Norwich. That is a deflating result because we've done it time and time again. If I look at it, and yes, we expect to lose to the top teams. But if I look at it, Andrew, we have played this season... Aston Villa, Southampton, Leeds, Watford, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Brighton, Brentford and Norwich. Nine beatable teams and we haven't beaten one of them. And what happens after we play Burnley? We play Leicester away, Liverpool away, Man City home and Manchester United home up to Christmas. How many of them are we going to beat? On, on, on the evidence that's before our eyes? Very few, if any at all. I think Newcastle were quite fortunate that Norwich were absolutely dire. I mean, when we're talking oh. about teams going down, I look at the way Norwich played against Newcastle and I was sitting there thinking, I was just thankful that they were as poor as they were. I think when you look at it, and we, you know, we have to admit Eddie Howe's got a humongous job on his hands to get Newcastle out of this relegation zone to keep them in the Premier League. I think it is probably going to be Newcastle Norwich and Burnley, you know, that are going to go down because I, you look at the teams above them, John. Watford have found their, their stride. I know they didn't win against Chelsea, but they performed really well. They've beaten Manchester United. You've got other sides above them who are picking up points and, and performing well. And I just look at Newcastle and you wonder where, where's the good performance going to come along, let alone the points, which is the, the one thing we actually need. Well, I mean, <coughs> facts tell us, stats tell us that Newcastle are already down after the result against Norwich because they've gone 14 games at the start of a season without a win and not one solitary single side that has done that has survived. So stats are telling us they're going down. We will not accept that as a given because we dare it, we don't want to, we care too much and we cling on to this piece of flotsam that's going by which is the January transfer window. Now let's not go into a situation where clubs don't want to sell in January because they can't buy replacements themselves. There's not time. How many players of quality will want to come to Newcastle if they're looking tailed off and they're going to play championship football next season? And what happens also between now and that lifeline on January the 1st if we don't pick up points? And when we look at what's to come, we needed to beat Norwich because they're the, the worst side in the Premier League alongside us. And the worst side after that's Burnley, who are next up. Now, if we don't beat Burnley, we're down. If we beat Burnley... We're probably down, but we've got to give ourselves a chance. It is absolutely horrendous to to watch this season. Uh, and I was down at Arsenal, and I watched them against Arsenal. And even at half time in all North, I'm thinking, how long do we hold out before they score? Um, and we've not got one clean sheet this season. We've let thirty goals in. Well, I was just going to say, every episode we talk about the defence and probably every Newcastle United podcast out there talks about this poor defence. Yeah. Against Arsenal, they reaffirmed the issue. Against Norwich, it reaffirmed the issue again because, like you say, the the, the red card came from a, an initial mistake and we, we saw players getting in behind 
the defence time and time again. I thought they were a little bit better defensively, though, especially given the circumstances. I thought Manquillo and Lewis, for me, they should start against Burnley, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, the defensive situation has got so ludicrous that they're so panicky now because they know there's a big mistake in every one of them. They're so panicky now that the discipline's gone completely out of the window. We go to Arsenal and Matt Ritchie gets booked and Lascelles get booked. Inevitable. So, as a consequence, they're banned. The next very next game, eight minutes, nine minutes into it, clocks off on a straight red. The discipline has gone totally. As you're quite right, as for me, as far as the back's concerned, once that had happened, and this is the shame, I think... We've got to go with both the fullbacks. I thought Lewis did well. Manquillo and Lewis, we've got to keep. We've got to keep Fernandez in the centre. He ought to have been in, in any case. How on earth we started with Kieran Clark? The season Kieran Clark's had uh, is between Eddie Howney's maker and Kieran Clark because I don't understand that. And I think Fernandez made his point when he came on. I think three of the back four for Burnley pick itself. It's who, do you go with Shaw, mistaking him? Do you bring Lascelles back, mistaking him? Who do you play alongside Fernandez? It's certainly going to be an interesting team sheet because I think if you don't bring your captain back when he's he's fit and he's available, it's a big statement. Aye, the big statement is he can't play and he can't. Um, the, um, the first thing Carrick, a, a Jordy lad, did at Manchester United was leave Ronaldo out. That's a big statement. Sometimes you've got to make big well, statements. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Eddie Howe's not going to be afraid to make those calls. Yeah. At I all. mean, I'm not meaning necessarily should be out because he's no better or no worse than anybody else that's going to play there because they're all very, very poor. The, the best one's just gone in, Fernandez. Um, but I'm not bothered about Lascelles. I'll tell you something about Lascelles, and it's a shame to, to say this. But Newcastle United are crying out for a leader at the back. Lascelles is not that. They're crying out for an organiser. They're crying out for Bob Monker, for somebody that pulls players around and organises the back. Lascelles is too busy worried about somebody running off his shoulder, dropping deep, not to leave space because he's, he's concerned about his lack of reading situations. He's concerned about his own game. There isn't time to lead others. He's stands with his hand up in the air hoping that that's going to get him an offside um, he's struggling and forget him about being captain and when we buy in January we need a captain Callum Wilson took the armband on uh, what day was a Tuesday yep. he said it was an honour to do so interesting that Shelby didn't take it either because Shelby's usually the stand in he is and, he, and is liked by Howe and has done well in fairness since he, since uh, Eddie Howe came yeah it was a frustration I think that was one of the biggest frustrations from Tuesday was that that game was perfect for John Shelby 11 versus 11 because he would have got the space and the time to but that's what's so annoying Andrew Norwich were perfect for us. Oh, exactly. Norwich yeah. were perfect for our first win of the season. More perfect than Burnley. We shouldn't be scared of Burnley, by the way, but Norwich were sitting well, ducks for our Burnley, first victory. Burnley are a tougher side without a doubt because oh, at because the back they're solid. They don't win, but they don't lose. They draw virtually all the time because they're solid at the back. They're dull. Note, note. That tells us everything. The only clean sheet we've kept, and I don't count it because the team changes and everything because it was the League Cup, but the only clean sheet we've kept is against Burnley because they can't attack. 
but we couldn't score against them either. I mean, you know, this, this is going to be like pulling teeth on Saturday, but um, nonetheless, we've got to go and, and, and look for a 1-0. And by the way, when I say we need a leader, I'm not talking about the whole team as much as I'm talking about a leader at the back to pull the strings and keep the back door shut. As long as that back door is swinging open on its hinges, we aren't going to win a game, and that's what's happening at the moment. It's swinging up on its hinges. 30 goals in, in 14 games. Mm, and for all, Burnley don't score that many goals. I think they've only scored something like 12 this season or something. They have got players who can punish you. I mean, Cornet has, has come in this summer. Newcastle were linked to him. He's come in. He scored some cracking goals, but he looks a very decent player. You've got Chris Wood, who has no fear. He'll just go in and try and bully every centre-back mm. going. And I do, I fear... That if it's Chris Wood going up against Lascelles or Fabian Cher, I think there's only one winner there. Oh, I mean, that's what's worrying me, Andrew, is who's the second centre-back, because that will be the one that Burnley play on. Whoever that man is, that's the one that Burnley will play on. Um, and, you know, I don't anymore look at the opposition and say, oh, Joe Bloggs, it's Burnley, it's now it's so pucky, he'll bother us, it, it would'll bother us because Burnley. I tell you what'll bother us, we're on centre-backs, that's what'll bother us. We, we, we lose games because, or draw games because of what we've got, not because of what the opposition's got. And that has got to stop. And I'm pleased that there's some semblance if we might patch up against these in, uh, sides almost as bad as us, not Manchester City away and Liverpool away, because goodness gracious me, I mean, I may as well pull my teeth out with a pair of pliers on me lawn, those, those two games. But you look at it, a side like Burnley or a side like Norwich and you think Manquillo did all right, Lewis did all right, Fernandez did all right, Dubrovka is a good goalkeeper, albeit he made a mistake that cost us two points. He's a good, good goalkeeper. We know where the weakness is there, but the, but there is a weakness at the back, and we've it's a struggle. And we why I may well sound so angry is because our biggest opportunity was knowledge, mm. and uh, we can say, oh. We'll take a point because we played 81 minutes with nine with 10 men. Under normal circumstances, yes, but not against Norwich and not when we self-destructed in the way we did. It's interesting you mentioned there the anger. I, I will get onto that in a moment. I, I do owe Fernandez an apology, though, because um, in the, the immediate post-match podcast after Norwich, I blamed him for the slip at the end, and it was, in fact, Fabian Cher, who I'm not a big fan of. So, you know, I should have got that one right. So... Just uh, in case, Federico, you were listening, I do apologise, it wasn't you. Um, it, it happens, it just shows that the Chronicle can make mistakes in the same <laughs> ways the Newcastle defence can. Do you know uh, what it but is? But we make less of them. I dropped my glasses and I was, I'm in the Lisa's end without my glasses on and I cannot see. <laughs> I mean, what staggers me about Shaw uh, is there's so much in him that's good. Like, he can come out with a ball, he can play, he's got a pass in him etc etc there's so much in him that's good but there's a guaranteed mistake every game this is a guy that's playing at the center of a defense that's going to the world cup finals with switzerland but he's a walking mistake you and it, he often camouflages it by 
his passion ability by his reading of the game. But have you also realised now, Andrew, how much he's camouflaging it by going to ground? The minute he's made a mistake, the minute the forward turns him because he's got too tight, he slips, he falls to the ground and rolls about holding his face or holding other parts of his body that's unmentionable because he's making a mistake and that's the first thing a, a defender does is, is look as if he's been fouled, etc. He is a walking mistake at the moment, but then he's in good company. Yeah, I have, no, I have noticed that actually. I think a lot of the fans did as well who were sitting around me on Tuesday. And that's what I want to mention there because you, I mean, you're clearly angry and frustrated at what happened on Tuesday. I think every Newcastle United fan saw it as the ideal opportunity to get that first win. If you can't beat Norwich, oh, who on earth are you going to beat? Absolutely. And it was very interesting at, at the end of the game, and I mentioned this in the uh, the post-match podcast, that Dubravka was taking his time with the goal kicks and there was frustration in the stands. People, you know, urging him to get forward and he was taking his time, taking his time. And people were getting angry. There was one chap who turned around and told another chap to sit down. We're down to 10 men. What do you want to do? And then obviously Fabian Chair slipped and they very nearly scored. So he was kind of kind of nearly justified in, in what he'd said to the other fan. But it was really interesting to see that divide because I think Newcastle United fans saw this and thought, well, yeah, this is the game we need to win, regardless if we're down to 10 men or not. Yeah. We need to go in, you know, one punt and it could be in. But on the flip side, you have Eddie Howe who's sitting there on the touchline and thinking, well, maybe we do take the point here and it's something to build on because if we lose, it's much worse. It, it is much worse. It's one point worse. But I tell you, the difference for me, and I'm hoping that Eddie Howe would think we're, we're going to win this, even though we were playing with 10 men, we looked as if this game was winnable for us during the game. And why? Because Norwich are so poor. And they are, if you take Pookie out of that side for finishing, nobody else has scored more than once this season. They are a poor side. They're going down. And if they're going down, what's that mean about us? But they are a poor side, and it showed, and that's why we had to go for the victory. And we were nine minutes off getting it. That is the, the real killer of the situation. But at that point, when you do go one behind, uh, when you do go level, sorry, and your players are starting to tire because they have been playing with 10 men for so long, is it then under, understandable for the manager? And I'm not saying this was his game plan. It looked like to me this was the game plan to buy time and take the point, and I might be totally wrong. But if that was the game plan, is that an understandable approach in the final nine minutes because you want to protect the point? It's understandable if it's Steve Bruce because he does that in the first nine minutes of a game, never mind the last nine minutes. No, that's harsh, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. In This was one case, and I might be totally, totally wrong, Andrew, but this was one case, Norwich, where I think you've got to go for bust because it's Norwich and the next match... Even with 10 men? Even with, Well, we did it for 79 minutes. After 79 minutes, we were 1-0 up. Um, you know, say it when I say say it out, the best way of saying it out is not sticking 10 men along the 18 yard line because you are inviting trouble, um, but it's to continue to play the ordinary way. And if you're 1 1, for goodness sake, you've only got a point. We need three, we're playing catch up, and and the lift you'll get if you get three points out of it. If Newcastle had hung on for a 1 0 win. 
forget the phrase hung on, if they had survived to get a 1-0 victory, what a lift with 10 men, what a lift that would have been for Burnley coming along. Yeah, it would have been in the momentum would have started to of build. Of course. I mean, what was interesting as well, and we will obviously we'll get more into the Burnley game in a moment, but it was interesting that when he brought Hayden on, Eddie Howe, and he brought Miggy on, he took Alan St. Maxim off, and he's, he's brought a more defensive player, so to speak. I know Miggy likes to get forward, and he is primarily an attacker, but he does a bit more defensive work. Newcastle actually looked more vulnerable, I thought, despite the fact they brought Hayden on, who had a, a terrible cameo, I, I thought, and it'll be interesting to see you know, what happens to him going forward because a lot of people would like to see him in the side to offer a bit more of a defensive barrier to the defence. What did you make of those changes on, on Tuesday? I think there were is much to do with the fact that you needed fresh legs on, having played with 10 men for so long. If you didn't use all your subs, debatable who the subs should be, um, but if you don't use all your subs, then, you know there's something wrong because you need fresh legs to try to see out the game. Um, yeah, it's the call of the manager who's a genius if it works and isn't if it doesn't. Um, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what we now do against Burnley. If we're looking for pluses and we've got to, although the whole season's a disaster, we've said the three guys at the back of pluses, the, the, the two full-backs and Fernandez. Uh, Shelby's a plus since... Shelby and Joe Linton are, are pluses, and I never thought I'd see the day when I said that, uh, because it was never that way before. He has got something out of both players that is truly excellent. And Joe Linton... We always knew Shelby had a range of passes, and if he got his head right, etc., could be an asset. His head was often not right, and he got rushes of blood, which made him a walking card, and um, he's one pace, but he's got his head right. But the change in Joe Linton's quite staggering, and is wonderful, but there's got to be more response. Um, and, you know, I would forget Richie, as far as Saturday's concerned, he went out, he, and who's he going to replace? He, he certainly shouldn't replace Lewis, so you forget him, you you, dis you throw a coin up in the air between Lascelles and Shaw, I suppose. Um, you've got to bring Fraser back. He was as unlucky as it's possible to get uh, to be the one. Somebody's got to be sacrificed. <laughs> I'm sure Eddie Howe is looking at it and thinking how, how more bad luck can he get, given everything that's happened so far in the first few weeks. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's true, but I think you sometimes make your own luck, and I don't feel too sympathetic about Fraser. He's uh, he's been here how long, and he's yet got to get started for us. But uh, there's there's a footballer in there which we know the same as we felt there might be inside a Big Joe, but it was never ever going to come out. And the best thing that happens with Big Joe is when he's not in too many shooting it's, positions. It's funny with Joe Linton, uh, Craig Hope of the Daily Mail. Probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek yesterday compared him to Patrick Vieira and the performance he put in. He midfield enforcer, which is funny because he was bought as a £40 million Newcastle number nine. And he, to be fair, he seems to have found a home getting in the challenges, getting back. Well, you, you, you may or may not remember, and I think probably you don't, but I wrote an article a few weeks back when Joe Linton was Joe Linton the number nine or the right winger who was missing goals really before Eddie Howe come and said, 
there is a footballer deep inside. It's whether we can pull it out of him. And maybe a change of position would help. And I talked about Ray Kennedy, who was a centre-forward at Arsenal, left-side midfield player, become at Liverpool and won, won piles. Of, Jackie Milburn was an outside right to become a centre-forward. Uh, we've had player upon player that has changed position as and has become a star man. And I said, maybe Joe Linton playing in midfield where he's tall so he can dominate balls, play, playing in midfield in a central midfield position, but a bit deep, maybe in front of the back four, uh, so he can use his, his physique to dominate. He's got an ability to pass a ball and the game is all played in front of him instead of when you're in the final third, the game's played behind you. And it got, I mean, the response when it went online was phenomenal. Uh, as many saying, as long as he walks this earth, he'll never be a footballer and, and he'll never play in that position, etc., etc. But I felt quietly justified with what I saw there because that is the position and luckily it's in print so I'm not making this <laughs> up where anybody can go and have a look the whole article was done on that and was done on him playing in that position actually did he actually be? now I'm not being smart you can get lucky sometimes but it's something that I saw and I thought I'm not meaning he's going to be there 100% I'm certain on Saturday he'll not be playing in that position he'll, he'll, he'll be a little bit more advanced but he is his problem was as much in his head, a lack of confidence, uh, perhaps uh, questioning his own ability. I always remember, you know, as a very young lad, Ray Kennedy, question, uh, bless him, who's just died, and in, in what a tragic loss, and what a wonderful, wonderful player, and a Geordie boy, uh, who was a very good friend of mine. But he used to doubt his ability. I think it's because he went as a kid from New Hartley Juniors to Port Vale, whose manager was Sir Stanley Matthews, uh, who told him he'd never make it and sent him back home. He then did a double with Arsenal and um, won everything possible with Liverpool. But um, I think that there's been doubt in his mind with Joe Linton. Maybe not just confidence, but in his own ability at this level. And that's something that Howe's given How's seen him, seen his assets, he's come with a clean sheet, he didn't know the depth of what fans think about him, etc., etc., and he saw something there, and the guy has responded, and good on him to do that. He's not going to become a 20-goal-a-season man, he'll never do that as long as he plays, but with a slight change of position, etc., there might be a career ahead of him then. Fingers crossed. So we'll get back to your team then. So it was Dubravka and goal, Manquillo on the right. Uh, yeah, no, the right sided. You can flick a coin uh, for Fernandez. Fernandez in the centre. Flick a coin for the for the centre back. Lewis on the left. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you Ryan Fraser in, Shelby. Is a must. Willick, because again, I thought he had a poor game on, on Tuesday. I think Willick... I'm being ultra-critical here. I think w Willick has not found his level. And I, I'm tempted not to say of last season because I'm not just talking about goals. I, I mean, obviously, he's not scoring goals, but I'm talking about the bounciness in his play, the big smile. He, he's he looks a little the, heavy, doesn't he's, he? Like he's he's carrying the world on his shoulders, on his shoulders uh, without a shadow of doubt. And I don't think we are seeing at this given moment, and it gets camouflaged, so far, recently, 
the best by the Wilson or Sun Maximum. They are at the top of the game. Wilson runs, makes himself available, does all the right things, but he looks a bit laboured. He looks a bit... He didn't get away... Was it a penalty at Arsenal? He didn't get away from the boy. He, he, he given the... Ch- you know, maybe it was a penalty. Maybe he wanted to go down because he, w- he knew he wasn't going to get there. He's not quite been the top-notch guy we know. And so maximum, maybe it's because he's been given a left-sided berth and isn't sort of going where he wants to go. There's more discipline. But he hasn't quite hit the peaks we know he can hit. So there's three of the biggest names in this side, in the most costly names in this side, in Wilson, Willock, and some maximum. I think there's another gear. Well, most certainly, yeah. We need that to happen this game. Yeah, Saturday. Not, not, not wait until it's Liverpool, because all three could be at their best against Liverpool and we still lose. Or Man City. Uh, or Leicester or, or, or Man United but it would make a difference against Burnley and I'm looking for three players of that quality to step up in the way I've been surprised and pleased at Shelby and Joe Linton So would you keep all th- those three in the side for Saturday? I think I, I, think I would well yes you can't go without Wilson and Sam Maximum you've got to hope for it to happen it's whether the only question mark would be whether you, you go with uh, Willock or not and He's a young boy, he's fragile in the mind, I would think, as far as confidence is concerned, and I don't think that dropping him would do him an awful lot of good mentally, him personally. I'd be tempted to go with him, but there is a... uh, Yes, and I think I would, but uh, there is a question mark there, but I would have Fraser back in, because I think there's a player waiting to come out, and I think he he will respond to how. And we're seeing glimpses of why Newcastle paid so much for Willick. There was glimpses on Tuesdays, one or two good runs. But just when the decision-making was needed, when it's key, he either just dilly-dallied or made the wrong decision. And I think that's happened a few times with a few Newcastle United players. There was another instance on Tuesday when uh, Fabian Cher, he must have travelled 30-odd yards with the ball and he got to the box and you're thinking, just, just hit it. And he decided to kind of move to his left and then pass it to the left. And interestingly, uh, John, we, we've recorded our Christmas special at Giveaway's Corner with Supermark, which will mm. be out on Christmas Day. And one of the things that came into my mind when I was watching Fabian Cher get to the box and then kind of change his mind was that Malcolm said, players are too afraid to shoot these days. Yeah. You have to shoot to score. You have to miss the score was essentially what he's saying. His favourite phrase, and he actually uh, did a book when he was playing called this, was never afraid to miss. Uh, and he called one of his books, because he did several when he was with Newcastle and Arsenal, England, uh, never afraid to miss. Because it doesn't matter who you are, Alan Shearer, Supermark or Milburn, you're going to miss. But, as he used to say, when I miss, instead of crawling away and burying myself, he thought, I'm one shot closer to scoring, because I'm not going to keep missing. The next one will go in. Um, and yes, that was wrong. Willock's only 22? Oh, yeah. No, he's, no, he's, he's he's not boy. writing him off at all. No, I know you're not. No, I know you're not. But that's another thing coming into the equation, isn't it? Mm. He's a young boy. He's still learning the game. He's still learning the choice of pass, the choice of movement. When it's going well, when you're scoring like it was last season, it comes automatic, you know. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. That- 
I, I guess it's hard as well because Steve Bruce sold Newcastle United to him in the summer, didn't he? We know he got on well with Steve oh, Bruce. Oh, he, he didn't. But I, I, yeah, but I think, it, I mean, bef- even when earlier this season, when Of Steve course, yeah, Bruce it wasn't was working. Here, it wasn't working. Um, I think he didn't know what he was buying into. He, he got Newcastle at the end of last season when they were bubbly, when they were getting a few results, when a couple of goals were getting in. And he thought, this is good. And this side's a bit better than where they were in the table and we'll get up to 13th or whatever. This side's rock bottom. And I think it's that's part of the the, the world and his troubles that he's got on his shoulders. Uh, he, he wasn't used to that at Arsenal. If Arsenal's mid-table, it's a crisis. We are bum. Yeah, we're mid-table. It's something to celebrate. If we are mid-table come May, it'll be something to celebrate. <laughs> it would also be a miracle, mate, if we're <laughs> yes. mid-table in May. Oh, certainly. <laughs> uh, just uh, play with my mind, I ask you guys to please remember to like and subscribe or follow the podcast to whichever provider you do listen through. And if you get the chance to leave us a review, please do so. Uh, to subscribe or follow, it's totally free to do. To leave a review, just takes two minutes of your time. It just means that we can get the episodes out to more people. And every time we upload a new episode, you'll get a notification so it's ready for you to listen to. Now, John Burnley, 18th, 10 points. Uh, obviously, Newcastle, the gap to 17th is six points. Uh, Burnley still without a win on the road. They've drawn four, they've lost three. Can you name the side? The only side who picked up fewer points on the road this season. Then Burnley? Yeah. Someone That's very close to home. Us? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we've picked up fewer points anywhere than anybody. I mean, uh, and, and failed to keep a clean sheet. I mean, here we go again. I'm facing... I, I mean, I must... I ought to be cynical. I expected us, fully expected us, to beat Brentford. I was convinced of it. 3-3. And we couldn't hold on to an early lead and we had to come from behind both times. We scored three goals at home and can't win. Only got a point. Then, I expected what happened at Arsenal. But then, I fully expect we'd have beat Norwich. Uh, so what do I think about Burnley? It is, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's stubbornness, whether it's me playing the law of averages like at some stage you've got to win. If you remember, Sheffield United, who were relegated last season regardless, went 856 games without a win and then got one. Surprisingly, the the team that provided the, the win was Newcastle United, of course, 1-0 down there with a penalty from Sharp. So we give them that. But sides do win. It doesn't mean we'll stay up if we beat Burnley, but... Even bad sides like Sheffield United last season eventually win. So on the law of averages, on my stubbornness, on my loyalty, on my dreams, as opposed to reality, I'm taking Newcastle to win an awful game on Saturday. Uh, And they might complete the double, because if they win, it'll probably only be 1-0, and they would have a clean sheet as well. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not going soft and I'm not saying we're about to stay up because I think we can easily win on Saturday. Not easily, but we can scrape a win on Saturday and still easily go down. And that is probably the best, the likely, most likely thing to happen. But I'm going to squeeze that the win comes. And you know why? Because if it doesn't, 
are we going to set a record of going all season without winning? Because I don't know where the next... I've just given you Leicester, Liverpool, Man City and Man United. Where's the next win coming from if we don't beat Burnley? I saw bookmakers offering very good odds for Newcastle to go without a win you know, in, in, into January. So it's it's looking ominous. And we do need to win on Saturday against Burnley. I'm really hoping... How long hoping have we been saying that though, Andrew? We, we need every, to win the every next Every episode. Game. Every episode it's a must win. It's a must win <laughs> game, yes. We could play a Chronicle Live bingo and that would definitely be the, one of the most uh, used phrases on this podcast. I'm hoping that the atmosphere is just as good as it was against Norwich on Saturday for 20 minutes, John, from the second half kicking off to, unfortunately, Pugie getting that goal. The best atmosphere I have experienced going back to, I don't know, over the recent years, by far the best experience. It was unbelievable. All four sides you know, the cheering fa- on. The fans have been absolutely fabulous with nothing much to cheer. I mean, you know, it's come to someone would cheer effort because effort ought to be a given. Um, but with nothing much to cheer, the fans have been absolutely magnificent. And I, without question, expect the atmosphere to be terrific at the start against Burnley. If they get players sent off or go behind... They can't expect the atmosphere to be wonderful. I mean, you know, you don't go to a wake laughing. It isn't going to happen, but it is going to happen at the start because the fans like us know this is the last chance saloon, know we've got to beat Burnley, and they want to play their part in making that happen. So it's up to Newcastle to keep their discipline, keep their determination, and get the three points. We're not out the woods at all by doing that. But without doing that, we're lost in the woods forever. Fingers crossed they can get the win. Now, we know you're going to go. You predicted a win there. You've, I did? Yeah. I'd love to. Do you know what? I would really love to. And I know I did it against Norwich. And I think I did against Brentford as well, didn't I? I just can't. You've, no, be, I, you've I, been I, beaten into the ground as I, I have. Think, but it's my desperation. Yeah. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to prove wrong. I just think I think I'm going to go for a draw. Just because of the way Burnley play and set up, I think... It's, the most it's got obvious written all over, doesn't the, it? The most obvious result is a draw. The most obvious result is a draw. But I'm sorry, we can't do obvious now. We can't do obvious. And by the way, if we don't beat Burnley, don't ask me to forecast any points gathering in the next games up to Christmas because I'll immediately become Scrooge because all the stuffing will be knocked out of me. I'm punch drunk now. But give me something to hold on to, please. Yeah, fingers crossed, Newcastle. Do manage to beat Burnley on Saturday. You can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll bring you all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday. And, of course, live coverage of the game through our live blog on Saturday afternoon. Once again, please remember to like and subscribe. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast.